Ladies and gentlemen, put on your leather driving gloves, activate sport mode, and try not to shoot flames out of your tailpipe in front of the authorities. Because it's time to talk tall to me. You really hit leather on that. Leather. Leather. 30 leather daddies lathered my legs. That's my, my vocal warm-up. <laughs> Welcome back. That's my whole body workout. Oh. Self-care. Self-care important. Welcome. More now than ever. Welcome back to Talk Tell to Me. I am Omen Sade. And I am ashamedly Nick McGill. And this is Talk Tell to Me, a turbo-powered joyride through the streets of Prague Rock in a hot little pocket rocket called Jethro Tull. From starting out in first gear all the way back with this was to all the way through the running the red lights of the 80s synth years and finally getting into the highway, high-efficiency part of the trip that is jtoll.com. You know, I, I originally thought this was was inspired by your playing Mario Kart, but now I, I realize it's because you have a new car. I have a new car. Yeah, it's in Mario Kart. <laughs> it's like it might Mario as, Kart. It might as well be a Mario Kart. <laughs> it, that's, that's what I feel like when I hit the accelerator. <laughs> There's a button that, that has a turtle shell on it, and you're not sure what it does. Yeah, one time I was driving, and I heard, I heard uh, a car horn outside, and and it had a particular frequency, and I legit thought to myself, "Oh no, red shell." <laughs> that's that's a little worrisome, actually. I I would be concerned. So yeah, welcome back to another episode of Talk Tell to Me. Bit of a bit of divergence there. We have ourselves a little, a fair amount of housekeeping today before we jump into the meat and potatoes that is the final act of a passion play so all very exciting so before we get into that mary marley if you don't mind doing the honors paperwork please mary and marley. the goats are loose in the yard again omen do you have goats i'll never become a vegetarian did you allow no, her no to, to bring goats into the yard? No, no one's asking you to, to become a, a vegetarian. I need the taste of flesh in my mouth. Well, there are lots of ways to accomplish that, as as I know so well. Marley, as usual, thank you for not not saying anything. Thank you. Your your uh, your Ritz bits will be a, be in your your lunchbox. Next I don't want to break my vow of silence. Oh, oh no! Ah, oh. uh, there goes the Ritz bits. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Marley. Ten years down the drain. <laughs> All right, so, so let's start with a pile of emails. <clears throat> Your emails, sir. So I've got some uh, two quick ones from repeat repeat offenders and a brand new one so real quick from Jacqueline 
our pre a previous writer in. It's been a while since she wrote in, but she's uh she's jumping back in now that we're we've wrapped up thick as a brick in terms of the actual episodes out there right now. So she's saying she tells us that Thick as a Brick is her most favorite album, which is great. Oh. I'm glad that she could enjoy that that full span. And she likes something that I find it I find it really is interesting. She likes to put it on whenever she wants to feel creative. And what better oh, way to get the juices going than listening to that thing? And she also likes oh. how how dark it sounds, the 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 darkness of a lot of those pieces. And I can see how if that's kind of your thing creatively, if you're thinking artistically dark, that is certainly a way to go to use that for inspiration. Wow. And uh, one one final thing from her. She and her fiancé have a name f- for the time in which she listens to Jethro Tull. They call it her JTP, the Jethro Tull Protocol. <laughs> which oh my God. is amazing. Which I, I want to name our cover band the Jethro Tull Protocol, I think. The Jethro Tull Protocol, yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's, that's incredible. I think that I think that that's also a military procedure. The Jethro Tull protocol. It's an yeah. appendix procedure. General, we're going to have to activate the JTP. <laughs> oh dear God. I <laughs> I pray for our souls. Um, okay, N- another email from Jason K. Super quick and sweet. I love it. He is our self-proclaimed Tullite. Huzzah! Thanks for slogging through thick. Passion might be even more fun. My fourth fave album. Cheers. Short and sweet. I don't think I don't think Thick as a Brick was a slog. I don't think I would I would go that far. I think that it was daunting at the beginning. Yes. Like many things. It was like, it was uh, a like big putting, on, putting on pants in the morning. Yeah. Oh yeah. A, a daunting a daunting prospect. But you know, once you start, may as well keep going. Yeah, you can't stop halfway through. That's well, just you can, but it's it's, it's even more it's not inconvenient. A, not a good, not a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I just sleep in my pants. Okay, huh. one one final email from a a a new a a new offender, a new tall skull, old Joseph H here. He says, "Hey guys, I have some comments and think it is cool when you interact with us, the tall listeners. First, and I know uh-huh. it's it's off topic, but listening to Aqualung last month." reminded me of my days when I was still young. I had the best of Jethro Tull that I had stolen from my sister's albums. And when I got the Aqualung cassette, I noticed a one-note difference on Martin's introduction to Locomotive Breath. Now, I haven't verified this, but I know that they changed some things in compilation albums and when it was either a U.S. release or, or a... Or a UK release, so that is highly possible. Picture this, a 13-year-old kid with the album on the turntable and the cassette in the player listening to the song like it was the Zapruder film. (laughs) To me, the second generation of Tull listeners, 20 years younger than Ian, we didn't have access to all of those bonus tracks that you and I have or, or had when we were growing up. Sometimes it seems that bonus tracks attached to albums don't sound contemporary with those albums. And I I kind of agree. Sometimes they do feel out of place. Yeah. I think it's sometimes because they're so they're touched up so much. Yes. Yeah, or they they were they were not thematically actually a part of that that album. They were just happened to be around that time. As far as thick as a brick, 
It is fun listening to the both of you break this down in such a serious manner. But I remember hearing an interview with Ian where he highlighted the non-serious nature of the album. He recounts that Tull opened for, now the industry would say supported, they opened for Yes on tour. Ian was put off by the way that Yes took themselves so seriously. In this interview, he states that is why the opening line of the album is, I really don't mind if you sip this one out. He also stated, parentheses, now I heard this interview 20 or 30 years ago, so please forgive me if I'm misquoting, that it's rock and roll and it should be fun. On a final note, Nick, if you compare Crest of a Knave with Catfish or Jay Tull again, I will drive to your house and take a dump on your front steps. <laughs> There is a reason why the album won a Grammy, even if it shouldn't have been hard rock. But we can have that argument in a few years when you guys do the album. Mm. Gentlemen, keep doing what you do, and thanks from me and all of the Tall Fanatics. Joe H. First of all, you know, first of all, thank you, Joe. Love it. Absolutely adore emails from you guys. We really do. I wanna I wanna defend myself. A, I've never compared it to Tall.com. I've never compared anything to Tall.com. Crest of a Knave and Catfish and what's the other one? A? Oh, no. The, the, I, 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 and I, I understand why you think I, put, I lump them together. Broadsword. Mm -hmm. That's the other one. Broadsword. No, yeah. The only reason I lump them together is because I was introduced by you, Omen, to all three of those at the same time. Yeah. So to me, they have that same feeling. Even though Broadsword was 82... Crest was 87 and Catfish was 91. They have chunks of time in between that where other albums came out. But to me, in my my Tull development, they they all fall in that same time frame. But in terms your Tull evolution, uh, I was I was trying to come up with one of those. Thank you. In my in terms of my Tull evolution, but 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 genre wise and sound wise and content wise i acknowledge they're not they're not comparable nick i would suggest that you invest in a um some some rubber cleaning gloves and maybe a maybe a bottle of simple green is that forethought is that planning ahead you're saying exactly exactly <laughs> i'm sorry joe i meant no offense but and I acknowledge it, but that is just the way I, I see it. And I I I understand that no one else probably sees it that way. Nick, I also want to point out a a theme that I have noticed running through the narratives of a lot of Tull fans, and that is the theme of having one of your formative Tull experiences a result of stealing albums from yeah. family members. Uh-huh. We've definitely heard that a couple of times. That's something that you have talked about a lot, and that's that was a you know that stood out to me in this email. I thought it was amazing that he stole it from his sister. Yeah, it's pretty common to to take it from your for his generation to take it from an older sibling, from our generation to take it from our parents. I think is right. what it was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And for the next generation, it will it'll actually be the result of grave robbing. Which is exciting. I plan to be be buried with all of my tall albums, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like an Egyptian pharaoh, you'll need these in the afterlife. Yep. I'll, I'll put curses on all of them. 
All right, so that's it for emails. Thank you, everyone. Please keep them coming. We love the feedback, even if oh, yes. you know what not not even if, but especially if there's some sort of I don't want to say confrontation, but differing opinion. I love that. I love hearing that. I don't want just fawning yes. praise. You know, I love it. I mean, a little bit of fawning praise is fine, but I, preamble. You can start with the fawning praise. <laughs> sure. So, Nick, the other exciting thing that we have here is another review. Nailed it. Give it to me. Cue the review sting. Sir, sensors have detected another star in the sky. Dear Lord, that's five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. This is from someone from whom we've heard before. Someone from the uh, the Tull, the ranks of the Tull army. Yes, it is none other than a review from Captain Fleshy Boy the Third. Title: These two beautiful boys really know their Tull. So far, factually accurate. If you love Jethro Tull and the music of old ENA, you'll love what the Momes are doing. When I was 16, I found out about Tull through a copy of Aqualung in my dad's LP collection. There you are. And have been listening for a year now. As I don't know many fellow Tull skulls, as the Momes like to call them, my age, I rejoiced after stumbling upon my new favorite podcast, Talk Tull to Me. Now long hours listening to Ian Anderson, M. Lancelot Barr, and the rest of the gang can be supplemented with insightful commentary from my two bros, Nick and Omen. These guys brighten up my Tuesday and are really worth the listen. Thank you, Captain Fleshyboy III. We shall send a an honorary volume of 21 Tull Blasts in your direction. <laughs> and, and I want to point out he is an international Tull Skull, He's from Canada. That's exciting. Oh, that yeah. is international. Yeah. And part of the part of the youth. That's right. Six he he found Aqualung when he was 16 and has been listening for a year now. Now, I'm not very good at math, but <laughs> that's younger than me, Nick. <laughs> not by much, but yeah. <laughs> I'll send you $20 later. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just slip that under the under the door. Yeah, awesome. Thank you for that that five star beaming review. Totally love it, Captain Fleshy Boy. Loving it, loving it, and very excited to to see such a young tall skull. Yeah, it's it's great. It's really great to to see the passion continuing through the years. As as I I, I feel the the fan base will will dwindle as time goes. But if we if we keep pushing the the podcast, maybe we'll. we'll and thank you, Captain Fleshy Boy the Third, for continuing the time honored tradition of. Stealing your family members' LPs. Yep, yep. More proof, more proof to our, our theory there. So, Nick, do we have anything else to do? I've got one more thing Ugh. that I want to talk about from last week, super quickly. First of all, I gave I you said that that chunk was your favorite sound from this album, mm. and. I said, you know, bits and pieces of it are for the most part, but I want to I want to backtrack and say after having edited it, edited the episode and listened to that chunk over and over again, it really yes. is the best part of this album, hands down. <laughs> but also a thing that I noticed while editing is about 7 and a half minutes into that piece, no, almost 8. It's about 750 
into that chunk of time, act three, rather, there is this brief little snippet of organ. Okay. Just It's just a nice little slow breakdown of organ from... John Evan. From our friend John Evan. Okay. Okay. Now, that to me sounded very peculiar and made me think of Leonard Skinner's Freebird intro. Hmm. Fascinating. Now it's obviously not note for note, but free chords are the same. Freebird came out in seventy three, right? And Passion Play was also out in seventy three. Whoa! And, and this is the only time we hear that just straight organ sound in this album. Do you think that there was some kind of a a vibe going on, Nick? That both. John Evan and the organist for Leonard Skinner. Leonard were... Skinner. <laughs> there's, a... there's more than one ways to skin a Leonard, Nick. That fact, you know, embarrassingly uh, so. Do you think that they were drawing from the same inspiration, or do you think this is total coincidence? You know, I don't know. It's it. I I'm inclined to say it's just straight up coincidence. I really am. But maybe there was something going on in the sounds of music at that time that could have influenced both John Evan and and Skinnerd to to have put that in there. Granted, that sound in Freebird kind of runs throughout the whole thing as a part of the theme. Whereas, right, whereas... it really is just a little bubble in in a passion play. Yeah. Huh. Just a just real just just a cool thing to point out, I think. I I found it pretty fascinating. A fascinating little piece of Tolkienology for you. Little, uh, little nugget. A little, what I say, a teeny note. I, I mentioned it as a teeny note to you, and I, I you believe did. you mocked me when I said teeny note. I, I was excited about your teeny note, Nick. <laughs> I would never think about mocking you. I can appreciate that. I would never think about mocking you. <laughs> so, without further ado, no more ado. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> we shall bid adieu to this intro and now we can finally move into the long-awaited conclusion to a passion play that's right this is the last nine minutes and 40 seconds act four of a passion play it is magus paraday's drawing room at midnight so strap yourselves in and let's have a listen Wow, goodness. That was a lot heftier than I was expecting. That's what I say as well. <laughs> Said the vicar to the priest. Is that where you were going? Ah, uh, yes, yes. It that's it. Yeah. Nick, that was... I, I, I almost wish that we'd split that up into two sections, but... I know. 
But I have faith in our analytical prowess, and I think this is, we're just going to blast through this like like something that blasts. Like someone fleeing from Lucifer. We're going to blast through this like I blast through the speed limit when I put down the pedal of my Fiat 500 Abart. Yeah, that. that. Did, I, did I mention that I got a new car? No, I, I mentioned it, but yeah, I oh, suppose you should too. So, flight from Lucifer. We where we yeah. begin? Should we start out musically, as is our want? Yeah, go for it. Let's let's jump right in musically. What do you got? I like the I like the laser sounds. Does um, does Lucifer Lucifer is known for his lasers, his laser shows? So <laughs> yes, yes. Hell is a laser show. Yeah. As I well, I mean, say. yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, but I, I really do like the the kind of weird it's probably the I would imagine it's the organ mm. at various points making those making those fun sounds. Yeah. I you know, I have to admit I was actually I was actually so wrapped up in the lyrics that I, I didn't really start taking music notes until the ten oh eight to Paddington station yeah. instrumental. Yeah. So let's just let's just do lyrics for Flight from Lucifer then. Yeah. So again, we see this theme, which has come up a bunch of times in Anderson's writing, which is the rejection of duality. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I would gladly trade my halo for a horn and my horn for the hat I once had. I love that line. I'd give up my halo. It's amazing, yeah. And, I mean, it all seems to be wrapped up in this desire to return to life, which is mm-hmm. which is very... You know, we've talked a lot about Dante's Divine Comedy uh, during this album, and and I feel like, you know, this is, we're right back there. Dante does eventually return to the world of the living after his passage through the three realms. And and I feel like that's that's, you know, the theme here is he's... He's tried this whole afterlife thing, and he says, no, thank you. Not for me. Not it's for me. not for me. Didn't have the patience for heaven. Hell is clearly scary. Super scary. Yeah. I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll give up the halo to get to the horns, because the horns may give me an opportunity to, to get out and be alive again. Yeah. But before we go any further, you, you passed, I have a question. Flee, flee the icy Lucifer. Oh, he's an awful fellow. What a mistake. I didn't take a feather from his pillow. Right. Flee the icy Lucifer. Oh, he's an awful fellow. What a mistake. I didn't take a feather from his pillow. Is that a classical reference? I don't believe so. But it, I think I think it's I think it's just a way of saying I didn't do him even a small amount of wrong. I don't deserve this. Oh, oh, and yet I'm still being punished. Right. Like, if it is okay. a classical reference, then it is it is some it is one with which I have no familiarity. The only thing I could think of is like eating the pomegranate and then you get stuck in hell for half a year, but it's not the mm. same. Yeah, I only I, ate one one feather out of the pillow as I slept. That's all I ate. I shouldn't yeah. be I shouldn't be punished this bad. That reminds me of the. That reminds me of that joke. 
that joke. Would you like me to tell you the joke? Oh, did I have to ask for it? I thought. <laughs> yeah, it's I'm like a vampire in that regard. You have to invite me in. Oh, then then no, you're not invited. Oh. Because <laughs> you will suck my soul out with this joke, I'm sure. <laughs> no. Uh, yes, tell me the joke, Roman. All right, so um, so last night I, I had this amazing dream that I was just, I was surrounded by all these huge marshmallows, these delicious marshmallows, and I, I just, I spent the whole dream eating these big, fluffy marshmallows that were bigger than my head. And then the weird thing was I woke up and all my pillows were gone. Because I ate the pillows. I'm gonna distort your 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 rim shot to make it sound sad. <laughs> Does it need to sound sadder than that? Because I'm sad. <laughs> okay, so further into further into fleeing from Lucifer, it's basically just saying, "I'll do this if you can get me the heck out of here. Get get me out of here. I'll do anything." Yes. In in various various iterations, I would gladly be a dog barking up the wrong tree. I'd give yeah. two or three for one of those days that never made impressions on the old score. I would give two or three for one of those days that never made impressions on the old score. I would gladly be a dog barking up the I want to pull that line out specifically. Actually, both of those lines you both said because they both remind me of other songs. Mm, okay. I would gladly be a dog barking up the wrong tree. Reminds me so much of because it's such a sad thing. Like I like give me life if if only to be a dog. Right. Rem, reminds me of it. Reminds me of a lyric in Jacques Brel's Ne Me Quitte Pas, which is the saddest song ever recorded by the human voice in which he's numikitapa means don't leave me and so the whole song is about you know pleading with with his lover to not leave and he says at one point let me let me be your dog the shadow of your dog the shadow of your hand laisse-moi devenir l'ombre de ton ombre l'ombre de ta main if I could if I could just be in in your presence not even be touched by you just the suggestion of being touched by you exactly that he would yeah. rather be a shade a shade near his lover. Yeah. But that would be better than, than being separated. That's beautiful. That's what that reminded me of. And then the brilliant wordplay lyric, I would give two or three for one of those days. It reminds me of Beyonce's Countdown. Does it now? Are you familiar with that? Look I'm, it up. You'll... I'm, I'm not. The chorus is, uh, you can look up the chorus and drop it in here and you'll see what it is. the Okay, is that all you want to talk about, Beyonce? I mean, I could talk about Beyonce all day long. Actually, I couldn't. I don't know that much about her. <laughs> but the theme is is just fascinating here. You know that that he would trade anything 
just to have one day, one normal day that that made no impressions on the old score. So a day of no, of no importance. Yeah, something unremarkable. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much. Everyone's saved. We're in the grave. See you there for afternoon tea. I mean, it's like, you know, the the inevitability of death. Everyone's saved. We're in the grave. See you there for afternoon tea. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to happen, but I still want to trade it in, even if I get one more day of of, of inconsequential existence. Yeah. Because one more day is still better than, than where I am now. Yeah. That's quite powerful. Yeah. It suggests to me that we should really enjoy even the even the uh the banalities. That exactly the word I was gonna use, yeah. The banalities of listening to a podcast. <laughs> About Chatterton. <laughs> and then there is a train station imagery. Right. Which brings us to the the platform. Uh, I thank everybody for making me welcome is a bit tongue in cheek. I thank everybody for making me welcome. I stay by my wings and drops off. Thanks, everyone in hell, for making me so welcome. I know you want me to be here. I'd yeah, love sorry, to stay, but, but my wings have just dropped off. Yeah. So I'm no longer an angel, and the only way I can get out of here is taking this train, the, the 1008 to Paddington. You know what I find delightful about that is that trains have often been used in song imagery to describe leaving the world of living and going to the afterlife, either mm. either to heaven, this train don't carry no ramblers, this train, you may recall. This train don't carry no gamblers, this train. Or, or, to, or to hell, such as in the song By the Darkness, I've got a one-way ticket to hell and back. I love that song. It's so good. But there's lots of, you know, there's lots of references in, in all kinds of genres to the devil's train and the train to heaven, you know, all these things. But this is a this is an interesting reversal of that common imagery where he's he's taking the train out of hell. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's it's not a one-way it's not a one-way trip. It's possible to get right. the heck out of there. So then we have some instrumental. The 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 1008 to Paddington is an instrumental chunk in the middle. A delightful instrumental in which we mm -hmm. have some lovely acoustic guitar, some really a really great moment of bass and drums. Mm. Usually I don't listen to the music on my on my headphones cuz we're we're actually using a a little peek behind the scenes. This is a new recording setup. You may, you may realize that my voice is even more mellifluous than usual. Silkier, more sultry, and hopefully, yeah. hopefully, none of that that crappy feedback sound that we've been trying to deal with for the last yeah, so many episodes. I'm so sorry, we're everyone. Gonna, we're gonna we're gonna have to put that in art artificially now. <laughs> yeah, I have a filter for it. 
Mm-hmm. But I, I really appreciated the the drum and bass section. It's just such a fun, you know, I imagine with good enough speakers, it's it's the sort of thing that you feel more than hear. Mm, sure, yeah. Yeah, a powerful enough subwoofer, definitely. Yeah. Su- subwoofer? I hardly know her. You are on. You brought her. You subwoofer. You are on point with the dad jokes today. Thank you. No, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Now on to Magus Perde, Magus Perde, Magnus, Magnus Perde. No, so Magus. Who is Magus Perde? Oh Nick. Oh Nick Nick Nick. Yes. Nick 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 Nick. Now it is time to take a. It's time to put on our diving helmets because we're mm-hmm. going to take a deep dive. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, we're dealing with some Latin. However, yep. Paraday is not what it might seem. I did some research on a little thing I call the internet. First of all, let's let's be specific. It's Paraday, P-E-R-D, with an apostrophe over the E. Because that correct that that does make a difference in in terms of Tolkienology here. Oh yes, and as and as. As the foremost Tolkienologists on this podcast, we want to be specific. Mm-hmm. So it turns out that Paraday is actually a a compression, a an, an elision of two words, par Dieu, for God. So it's an it's an old English expression which means by God or or for God. It was at times used as a mild oath by God, such as in uh, the poem of Piers Plowman from the mm-hmm. long time ago time. One of the, one of the original, oh gosh, one of the original. 14th century. Originally written, what's it called? <laughs> Books. Yeah. That's not what I'm, lo- the word I'm looking for. What what word are you looking for? Nick? What's the, it mean? The the poet the the like nature. Allegory. Mm, it's not pastoral. I, idyllic. It's something pastoral. like pastoral. Thank you. One of the original pastorals. Yes, dear yes. lord. Also, a satirical allegory. Yes. Much like this album, which with which we're dealing with currently, mm-hmm. with which we're dealing currently. So Magus is then comes from Persian, actually. And means magician, but in some contexts it can mean priest. So it's, it's also Latin for teacher too. It's like a respected term for a teacher. Yes, but it it can also mean wizard, yeah, or or someone who deals in magic. Mm-hmm. So in this case, the the a rough translation could be priest of God, or mm-hmm. priest by God. Mm, yeah. And I've I've also got what a, a, a different interpretation here, that oh, okay. Perde is the modern French for lost. Uh, yes, that's and true. And it it's got the same root as perdition, 
which perdition is to be damned is to perdition is the the state lost. of hell to be lost so yeah. it is it he could also be the 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 headmaster of of hell of the lost mm. so it could be a a person sent there by god or it could be another version of satan or one of his men right you could also if you're going with that definition of 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 that of perday you could also say that that is a lost priest yeah yeah absolutely much like like lucifer himself is a lost angel right yeah. However, I'm gonna. I I'm more inclined to go with the 11th century English version interpretation of Perde rather than the modern French. Well, do you want me to break your heart again, Nick? Because in 1976, Ian's response to the question of who is Magus Perde was it's a mixture of Latin and French. Well, I think that this is a great example of the Ian English... Anderson being wrong. <laughs> Of the, of the English and their famous lack of understanding of French. This this is why wars happen, Nick. Yep, Ian Anderson has caused many. Yeah. Okay, so I think that's that those are a variety of options to explain who who Magus Paraday is. Yeah, let's move on before I mm -hmm. Paraday my my freaking mind here. Well, and let's look at it in the context. Um, oh, I suppose we should do that, yeah. Mag Magus Perde release uh, release the chains, unhand the chains. Uh, take your hand from off the chain. Okay. Take your hand from off the chain. Magus Perde, take your hand from off the chain. I love I love the sound of the that 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 kind of like the setup of Magus Perde is is really like kind of haunting and howling. Yeah. And then there's that that imperative at the end after How does this. he sing it again? Nope. Oh, do it, do it once more. He sounds so <laughs> not nice. Good. Not gonna do it. Well, we'll do it together. One, two, three. Take, Take your hand, hand from, from off, off the, the chain. chains. <laughs> wow. I can't wait till we start our cover band. Yeah. The Jethro Tull Protocol. <laughs> the Jethro Tull Protocol. <laughs> so good. So, so he is, this is... Ronnie speaking to to Magus Paraday here. Lusa wish to still the rain, the storm about to be. Here I am, a voyager into life. Lusa wish to still the rain, the storm about to be. Here am I, voyager into life. Saying he's right. He's basically traveling back up out of hell. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to cut the cord. He wants to drop the anchor and ascend. The passengers upon the ferry crossing, waiting to be born, renew the pledge of life's long song, rise to the Ravale horn. The passengers upon the ferry crossing, waiting to be born, renew the pledge of life's long song, rise to the Ravale horn. Oh, so this is a fun thing. This is one of the first examples of one of my favorite things in Jethro Tull, which is referencing other Jethro Tull songs. Yeah. Yep. He's so good at that. I love it so much. Life's long song. Life's a long song, obviously. Yeah. 
and then and a ravale is something in is a is a military bugle call that is generally used to wake people up at sunrise. Yes, but it could also be referred to the the reawakening of the dead at the mm. time of judgment. Oh, cool. Okay, I like that too. I like that better, in fact. <laughs> And then the next line, animals queuing at the gate that stands upon the shore, breathe the ever-burning fire that guards the ever-door. I just want to bring that up because we get another animal reference here. Animals queuing at the gates that stand upon the shore, breathe the ever-burning fire that guards the ever-door. That, that could very well have been a part of the Chateau disaster. And oh, interesting. references animals that we're going to see in the next album in War Child. Do you think that this animal's cueing is a, is a visual reference to loading the Ark? Noah's Ark? Hmm. I, I think it's more an imagery of, of souls waiting and they look like cattle just moving into a train car or into a barn or mm. a processing plant, you know? Oh, an, there, are, an there are so many. An abattoir. Yeah, a charnel house, yeah. Yeah, there there are so many humans or or souls or whatever they are they become faceless and they're they're basically just animals. You know what? I just uh, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, Nick, but I just I really love Jethro Tull. Do you know? I I I do. <laughs> I, but just I mean, the writing Ian's writing is just so so layered and so subtle. There's this wonderful, just a couple lines back, the passengers upon the ferry crossing waiting to be born. We mm-hmm. always hear about the, the, the ferry going across the River Styx, mm-hmm. as in, don't fear the ferryman. Don't fear the reaper? That's what I mean. <laughs> don't fear the ferryman. The sequel, the less, less popular sequel. <laughs> you know, uh, all right, oh, never there's mind. A, there's but, a gorgeous cover of Don't Fear the Reaper. I can't. I can't remember who did it. I'll put that one in instead of of the uh, Blue Oyster Cult one. Right. Put it in there. But, you know, we always see this imagery of the, the, the fairy taking you to the, the afterlife. And, and here mm-hmm. he reverses it. Yeah. He, and, and has incorporated almost a, a reincarnation element, a little, a, little, a little drop of Buddhism in there. And it's it's the same thing as as the train as well. You were saying the train is generally used to go one way. Yeah. Yeah. And Ian's like, wait a moment. Both of these things can travel in both directions. <laughs> leave it leave it to a Scot to point out the obvious. Yep. <laughs> that's that's what they say about the Scots. Man, son of man, buy the flame for ever life. Goodness me. Yours to breathe and breathe the pain of living, living be. Here I am, roll the stone away from a dark into everday. Man, son of man, by the flame of ever life, yours to breathe and breath the pain of living, living be. I mean, if it was anyone else, I would think that this is, you know, the traditional Christian imagery of like, uh, 
the everlasting life after salvation. Mm. But I think it's not. No, it's Ronnie wanting to get the hell out of there, pun intended. Yeah. It's just interesting, you know, we have a combination of yours to breathe and breathe the pain of living. You know, this, again, almost Buddhist concept of of life is suffering. That yeah. That's inherent, inherent to life. But it tells you that you're alive. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But then immediately after, we have the, the super Christian, super Christian <laughs> My least favorite superhero. Of roll the stone away. Yeah. You know, of Jesus, Jesus's big rock getting moved or or Lazarus as well the resurrection of Lazarus Le- Le- oh, did he have a stone? Lazarus I believe he was the, yeah in the a resurrection of Lazarus <laughs> my favorite story so does with that here I am roll the stone away from the dark into ever day is Ronnie resurrected at the end Ronnie comes back to life I think so he and somehow a- did something right to get there or something very wrong i guess you know i think that this is like dante's divine comedy not a story of the death of the uh, of the protagonist but rather a story of it's almost like a christmas carol you know like here are the various possibilities that lie ahead of you mm okay and and with that knowledge you know, you can you can go back to your life making better choices or or with a greater appreciation for life. It's like that. It's like that uh, that film with uh, with Jimmy. What's his name? Jimmy Stewart. It's like that film with Jimmy Stewart. It's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life, Nick. <laughs> <My> yes. <God. laughs> yes. Here's what it looks like if you're dead. And now, with that knowledge. Get you back to your life and live it up and breathe the fiery air of life. So I just, before we go any further, because you, you mentioned It's a Wonderful Life, which is a Christmas album. The person who, the people who did the cover. It's a Christmas for, album? I mean, it's a Christmas movie. The people who did the, the, the cover of Don't Fear the Reaper are Denmark and Winter. Denmark plus Winter. I just wanted to grab that info. I suggest you put on some Icy Hot and grab an ice pack after that massive stretch. <laughs> winter. Winter cut. Yes. Okay. I believe we have made the reference to It's a Wonderful Life before on this album. I believe so. Oh, how clever of us. <laughs> Preemptively smart. And then after after the Mage's Paraday bit ends, it drops into the epilogue, which is two lines... And it's done. It's done. It's super. Yeah. F- it's it really wraps up really succinctly. Now, let's compare the the first time we hear that line with the last time that we hear this line. There was a rush along the Fulham Road. 
what we've just heard is there was a rush along the Fulham Road into the ever passion play. And we have this this ever used quite a lot. Yes. In mm-hmm. this whole section. Mm-hmm. And then the the at the very beginning of the whole album, we have there was a rush along the Fulham Road. There was a hush in the Passion Play. Yeah. There was a rush along the Fulham Road. There was a hush in the Passion Play. What do you make of that? I think that really ties in with the theory of him never having died in the first place. There's a hush in the passion play refers to the fact that he he the, the passion play hasn't ended. There's a lull. Things went quiet. Yeah. And then that that last line, a rush along the Fulham Road into the ever passion play, they're getting the heck out of there. He's getting out of there and learning to appreciate life or having learned to appreciate life. So he's rushing back into to existence into this passion play. Are you ready for a hot take? I cannot tell you how ready I am for a clam bake. Here it is. Get your butter. Here it is. Visualize this. Ronnie Pilgrim, a young man about town in London, going about his day, not giving a, not giving a rat's bum about, about things. And then he's rushing along the Fulham Road, which, as we know, is a busy street in London. Cut to massive car accident. He's thrown through his windshield because he wasn't wearing a seatbelt because he doesn't care. He hits the pavement. His soul <laughs> leaves his body for a split uh-huh. second and goes on an amazing journey where he sees all kinds of things which frighten him. And then, you know, like a hundred years later, his soul, bam, right back into his body. Only a second has passed. The cops are standing over him and they're like, are you all right, sir? And he's like, I have a new appreciation for life. Boom. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I don't think that was that hot of a take. <laughs> oh. I thought a hot take was something that you say, like, off the top of your head. Are you saying no. that hot means wrong? No, hot is, like, controversial. Hot take is like, like oh, this this might be a little a little edgy here. All right. But that was a, that was a, a mild, cool take. It was, was a, a sun-warmed gen- take. Gentle, soft, caress of a take. Here's a... Here's a here's a May breeze of a take. <laughs> yes, very nice. I like it. Thank you. Right, Nick. <laughs> Omen. We finished a passion play. Oh dear Lord, did we finish a passion play? I feel like it's given me a new appreciation for life. I feel like it's given me a new appreciation for this album, certainly. I feel like it's given me a new appreciation for Jethro Tull. <laughs> Did, has it? Yeah, of course it has. Every album, every single I mean, song, I'm, I'm, it... I'm always amazed. <laughs> but this one in particular, you know, this feels like yeah. such an accomplishment. Yeah. it's It's almost a shame that you have to do so deep a dive to really appreciate this album because it's so good on so many mm. levels. Yes. But it's it's really, it's the Tull Skulls Tall album. 
It's like Cymbeline. Will everyone read it? No. Is it produced mm. very often? No. Is it amazing? Yes. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. A- any final thoughts on this album? I, I think we've, I think we've super one hundred percent wrapped it. Just, I can't wait to actually sit down and listen to it with a cup of tea. Yeah, the whole thing in one sitting. Just, just now that we know every bit and piece, see it all together in one chunk again. Yeah. 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 Reassemble it. This is this has been fun, Nick. Yeah, this has been a good one. This has been a real good one. Oh, and next week, do you know what what we're doing? Genuinely, I do not. <laughs> next week, we are starting a five month run of War Child. What? Five months. Six thirty to eleven ten. Why is it so long? Because War Child itself is ten ten songs. Okay. And then we've got ten bonus tracks thanks to the really big War Child album that they put out that had so many extra bonus tracks. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Probably leftovers from the Chateau disaster. Oh absolutely. Absolutely, wow. yeah. Yeah. Well, if you like War Child, get ready for the time of your life. If yeah. you don't like War Child, see you in October. <laughs> no, in no- the ha- second half of, of November. See you coming up to next Christmas. But that being said, if you don't like, if War Child's not up on your list, I I highly encourage you either just listen to the album again or listen to us pick it apart because it is one of my favorites. It's the first Tall album I heard, so I'm very biased about it. Yeah. But it's so good. It's if such a good If you don't like War Child, please send in your address so we can drive to your house and take a poop. On your front doorstep. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I guess that's a, a, a service we offer now. <laughs> that's something that we, yeah, not for free, obviously, but no, we no. offer it. Really high-level Patreon patrons, I think. <laughs> hmm. Until next week, I miraculously am Omen Said. And I am banally Nick McGill. We are inevitably feckless momes. And this happily is Talk Tell to Me. Disputatio Tolmihi as Superbus Improvidus Momes Audio Socios Network. Talk Tell to Me is a proud member of the Feckless Momes Audio Network.